You Decipher podcast, where we explore the ins and outs of university life and unpack what it means to be a disciple on campus. I'm Father Nicholas Pierce. I'm Sister Mary Helen. And my name is Mahia. And we're back again at the end of another week on campus. Where are we at? Four? I think we're just finishing Four out. Four for most of, most of our students here in Melbourne. But uh, it's the year is moving on very quickly. It's flying. Nearly the AFL Grand Final is looming. We're here. It's good to have you back on the podcast. We haven't had you for a little while. I know. I had a break. But you were, <laughs> you were champing at the bit. You were, you, you were here setting up. You were yeah. eager. Fully furnishing the whole place. But it's good. It's good to see a lot of students walking in and checking out the place. So it was yeah. worth it. So it's been, um, it's been yeah, a great couple of weeks on campus. Uh, what else has been going on? Anything for you guys? We were talking about the football before, but I, know, I don't right? necessarily want to talk about the football. Cause oh, really? Because it's sad if you're a Hawthorne supporter. Yeah, I'm a Hawthorne supporter. It hasn't <laughs> been a good year. Um, but in particular, so my, my brother-in-law and my niece and my nephew and my sister are all Richmond supporters. Oh, no. So we all went um, and they smashed the Hawks. So, And the worst thing when you go with someone from the other side is you've got to s- stand there and listen to them <laughs> sing the song. Yeah, and you can't just leave early. And when you've got kids there, then they wanted to go and stand on the boundary. And yes. I just wanted to get in my car and go home, Crawl, but I yes. couldn't, so. Sad news. Yeah. Well, you know, and Collingwood's had a great run, but the streak ended, so, oh, well, it was going to happen. I didn't realise you were a Collingwood supporter, sister. Very much a Collingwood supporter. When I became a Dominican, my father was very happy. He was, yep, black and white forever, <laughs> Collingwood forever. We've, if you listened to last week's podcast, we were surrounded by fathers, and we're sort of going to carry on the theme this week and speak to me here. So we're sort of going in the National Vocations Awareness Week sort of plus two sort of uh, ca- category. And we're looking a little bit more closely today at the, the vocation of marriage and in particular um, having a chat with me here. But of course, our team here at uh, the discipleship team in Melbourne is really celebrating because Andrew, the voice of the mm. podcast... Uh, he and his wife had a baby recently as well. So um, fatherhood is the is the flavor of the month. So mm-hmm. shout out to Andrew and Vivian and baby baby Rita, baby Rita, mm. who was born on Saint Dominic's the feast Day. of Saint Dominic. Aww. So yeah, we um, claim her. A wonderful. <laughs> I'm gonna make a mini <laughs> habit for her. <laughs> <I'm joking. laughs> Mihia, you you do lots of great things. Uh, you work with us here on the discipleship team. You are involved in your local church, but first and foremost, your vocation is as a husband and father. How did you know originally that you were called to be a father? I don't know. It's 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 a really hard one. Um, I think it's one of those things where you actually have to discern and see where God is leading you to it and see if you're actually ready for fatherhood because it's not easy. So, yeah, it's one of those things where you have to kind of grow and mold and journey into it. You can't be a father <laughs> as soon as you have a child. You've got to grow and prepare for it. You're listening to the You Disciple podcast where we put the you in disciple. I've got, I'm going to start with something a little bit um, risque because there's some conversation about whether or not fatherhood is a, and marriage is a vocation in the same sense that we um, 
that we speak about priesthood or religious life. Um, but let's not get let's not get into the finer sort of nuances of that. But you just use the word discern. You've really got to mm. discern. So, can you tell us a little bit from your experience um, about how you did that? How did you discern that your wife was the one for you? I think yeah, I think you're right, Father. The word discern can can play multiple parts in that. But I think it's the fact that that you know that you're ready to love and to be loved and to be selfless. Um, I think if you if you tend to be a selfish person, it's really hard to get into marriage and become a father. So it's knowing that, you know what, I'm, I've become selfish now. I can give my time, I can sacrifice. And that's, how, that's when I realized, like, okay, actually, now I think I can prepare myself for, um, to be a husband, to be a good father because I've learned to sacrifice. I know there's something that I have to go out of my life when I do get married and become a father. So once I realized that, yeah, you know what, actually I can do this and, and God kind of works through that journey with me. So the whole sacrificing and kind of molding your life into into marriage and into fatherhood. I think that is one of the questions, right? Like we've all been made by love for love. And then how is it that the Lord is calling you to love in your life? And so priesthood and religious life is a pretty radical expression of that. Um, but the natural vocation, I guess, the natural call of everyone is marriage otherwise, right? Mm. So it's a way to love. And we get this beautiful stuff out of John Paul II's Theology of the Body and this idea of communion and being called into communion and that in marriage in a very particular way you're called into that communion that bears fruit in the in the life of in the life of your children and your family. Mm. Um and so yeah, that love is lived out in in that communion of persons in a very, very specific way. I think Father, what it is is one of the big problems we have is we're never told how to be a good husband, how to be a good father. Um, it's a given that you 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 learn on the go. You know, like you get married, that's where you, you'll start learning how to be a good husband. And when you have a you know have children, you'll start to learn how to be a good father. But yeah, we're never told most of the times like how do you be a good husband? How do you be a good father? How old were you when you got married? I was twenty seven. Oh wow. Okay. So some of our some of our uni students would be Probably the in, their, <laughs> in their mid twenties at the moment, and they'd be going, "Whoa, what? How did you like?" So that's quite young, I suppose. For young, my wife was twenty-one. Wow. Okay. So she was much younger than me. So what did you have to learn mm -hmm. in those in those first few years of marriage ah, about yourself? That patience and sacrifice is the key. <laughs> <laughs> that um, yeah, that it's not about who is right and who is wrong. It's about actually sacrifice a big part of your life. Um has to go um yeah like you know seeing the boys three four times a week that has to go um yeah like, like video games playstation most of that has to go um a lot of sacrifice i've learned um the first couple of years of my marriage that sacrifice and patience makes a makes a marriage work mm -hmm. um and without that it becomes a battle you've um and some uh, some people might have heard your story before um we definitely have you your your early married life in particular had some real sacrifices and mm. hardships. Do you mind sharing some of that with us? Yeah. So we um our first uh, like we were happy and um we you know my wife's about speaking you know we're ready for children and yeah and um by the time we knew it she was pregnant with a uh, with a boy, um and I remember that day when they told us at the hospital like yeah oh, it's a boy and I go oh every man's dream sometimes it's like you know yeah I'm gonna have a boy now. And um, during the break, we went to the shops and I said to my wife, I want to buy a little small suit for this boy. <laughs> um, so we went and bought a little suit. It was really nice. And then, yeah, things just went downhill from there. Um, they started telling us how the baby, um, 
uh, is abnormal inside inside the the bodies. Yeah, the heart's flipped other way around. Um, there's no spleen. The lung hasn't developed. So a lot of internal problems occurred in that. And yeah, they were offering us um, abortion. Ironically, it was um it was a Catholic uh, hospital. So and yeah, and we said no. We go. We don't believe in abortion. And that God gives and God can take. So for the next nine months, we were back and forth. And yeah, we never had any good news. Um, with our every time we went to the ultra scan. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I said, you know, well, God's gonna give us His child, let Him take it away if He if He wants it um to be taken away. And they assured us that this child will not be born. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna die. It's gonna be stillborn before even comes out to this world. But yeah, to our surprise, that He was born and He came out screaming. He was beautiful. We named him Yeshua. Um, he was actually really really beautiful. He had a small nose, uh, like my wife's nose, so it wasn't big as mine. <laughs> so so he was really really beautiful. And as soon as I held him. Um, this infused love just came inside my heart, um, and it's one of those things where you just don't know until until you actually carry the child. And then I felt like, oh my god, like the world is actually not worth anything anymore. The world's not worth it. I go, I'm gonna live for this for this child. Um, I'm gonna sacrifice my life for this child. Um, yeah, and unfortunately, uh, after a month, um, he passed away. But but God gave and God took. I remember that the day he passed away, I went to the toilets because I was trying to be act tough in front of my wife, not to cry in front of her. Um, I went to the toilet and I said, Lord, like I have no idea what you're doing, but I trust you and let you do what you have you have to do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so yeah, we end up um, um burying our son, and then we had another child after that. Um, and it was all good. They assured us everything was fine. And for the next nine months, we had one special doctor just for ourselves. And every week or fortnight, we used to go, and they said everything's gonna be fine with this baby. You know, you're gonna have this child. And then just two days before the due date, um, we went to the hospital and. And we see, you know, my wife told the doctors, like, I don't feel the baby moving as much. Um, and they said, that's okay, that's fine. You can go, you can go home. Everything's okay, you know. You're being paranoid. It's okay, you'll have this baby in a couple of days' time. And yeah, we went home. We came back two days later and yeah, it was a blood clot and the baby passed away. So it was really hard. Yeah, it was really hard. It wasn't easy. Um, there was a lot of questions, like why is, why, for my wife specifically, why is God doing this to us? You know, like we're good people. We're trying to, we're trying to be as, you know, as faithful as we can. And then we had another pregnancy. It turned out to be an ectopic pregnancy. Wow. And then and my wife was, you know, wanted to give up. And I said, I, you know, I go, the world doesn't stop for anyone. I could just keep going. And now we have two beautiful girls, um, oh. Mariam and Rosary. Um, yeah, I love them to death. <laughs> I think one of the things I speak to couples as I'm preparing them for marriage mm-hmm. is about the importance of talking about some of these things because I think sometimes we 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 enter into sort of and it's the same with religious life and priesthood we enter in sort of looking forward to all the good things mm-hmm. but the reality is is that married life and any vocation is tough and challenges and sometimes. The, couples those challenges don't come for many years but sometimes they do come very Mm. early Mm. what did those sort of early hardships and losses um teach you and your wife about marriage um yeah it was it's not all la la land and happiness in marriage um situation like that do do arise in marriage and yeah the couple has to be really tough um and they both have to be on the same boat to fight fight the hardship um it's not a one person thing so it's 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 sacrificing your time and helping the wife in the same time in turn the wife helping the husband. But yeah, I mean everyone accepts it into go to marriage and everything's gonna be fine and it's all la la land. But sometimes yeah, it hits you hard. I mean to have three pregnancies and all all of them didn't work out the way we planned. Um, it's not easy. Do you think your faith have the the fact that both of you share the same faith was 
a, a big element in, in the way you approach that? Yes, yeah, sister. Uh, to be honest with you, I like I can't imagine if it wasn't for my faith how that would how that would turn out. Um, I think that would have destroyed me. Um, because yeah, like there's no answers. Like you know, like you know, I'd probably be more angry at God if I wasn't faithful. But I think my faith played a massive part in that. To, um, like you know, like if God, God the Father has, you know, we've sacrificed Jesus for us. You know, like who am I to question God's? Um, yeah, obviously I, I have no idea why that all happens to me, um, to us. But I trust that you know God would have never wanted it to happen, but it it happened, and I think it chose us, um, you know, for the right couple to kind of stay strong and keep going. Yeah, and I think that the fact that marriage is a sacrament. The grace there is of that sacrament, probably very active, you know, in that time. Mm. And you can hold on to that when other things are seemingly crumbling. Those of us who know you know that you're a man of incredible faith. Um, but was it shaken during that period? To be honest with you, Father, we met a chaplain once um, at, the, at the hospital and she goes to me, um, it's okay, mate. it's okay to cry and doubt God. And I go, like, no, I'm not doubting God. And she goes, it's okay. I go, I oh, know, but I'm not doubting God. And she was really puzzled to how I kept it so um positive. Um because yeah, because God's given us that strength to keep going. Um some people found a weed that like it didn't shake my faith, but I, I fixed my eyes on the Lord and I knew the Lord was um, by my side because yeah, if God the Father is is a perfect father, why would he wanna hurt me and my wife and our children? So so many so many young people, uh students, young professionals go through their own struggles, their own uh their own challenges, even before marriage. Um what would be your advice then when they do hit a, a rough patch and the temptation is there to doubt? So you said fix your eyes on the Lord. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think just yeah, thinking about how God how God is a perfect father. I think if we see that God is a perfect father and doesn't do anything to harm his children, I think that shows a really big impact on yeah, what kind of father we're following. We're following the perfect father who is always seeking the good of his children. So it's not about it's not him trying to hurt us, it's it's us trying to, you know, pull away from him. So when we're in doubt, when there's hardships, it's actually that's when we actually have to go to Him, not further away from Him, because the perfect Father is there to help us in everything we need. It's true, and your mind can't really grasp the why. Like that why question mm. is really probably not so helpful, but it will come. Mm. But yeah, just that whole sense of the mystery. We won't know in this life some mm. things we won't know until the end, but we know with certainty that God is always good. Someone once said to me that God thinks in centuries, not decades. Mm. And that we we so often look at our lives in in the immediate of what's happening today or what's happened this week or this month, um, yet God's view is eternal, um, and that's really hard for us to grasp sometimes. That we may never know the answers to things um, for a long time, if not till till we meet Him again. But that we we have to trust that in His providence, He He's holding all things. Um, in being an, in his providence, you well, you often say that you have five children, three in heaven, two on earth. Mm. Um, so you're now the father of two uh, very active girls. A bit too active, father. <laughs> <laughs> what did that teach you about yourself? Like now that you've got these lives that mm. you have to look after and that you're responsible for. So it's not just you and your wife anymore. No. You've got you've got people who um, are reliant on you for everything. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a total um selfless life after after having children. It's it's actually it's about them now. It's not about you and your ones and your your troops and your your outings. It's it's about it's about them. Um and yeah, and there's a special thing about that when when you give your life to your children because 
I think ultimately every father should lay down their lives for their children in the spiritual sense, in a sense where you you sacrifice your your life for them. Um, in turn, hoping that they do the same thing for their children. And yeah, my father done that with to me also. He sacrificed um his life um for his children, um in everything everything he did, especially like in a war torn country. So I kind of picked that up from my father also, and kind of I want to well I want to sacrifice my life for my children. Yeah, and if that means I don't have to go out every single you know couple of days with my friends, that's fine. Um, my children are important for me, and I want to raise them up as as best as I can as I can. And yeah, when I leave this world, I'm hoping I can shape their world as um as Christian as I can and as loving as I can towards other people. Okay. It's all too positive. Come on. <laughs> I, I love your positivity, a, but come on. Um, what's the challenge? Like what, what's the, what? Oh, like, well, yeah. Like, and every, with every blessings in. They, in, they in, can't hear. Oh no, they can hear, but they're, they're too young to listen to a podcast. So come on. What's the, what's the hardship? Uh, okay. We're going to go to that narrow. Yeah. We? Yeah. All right. Come on. <laughs> um, I think the hardship is, is when the, the wife's attention leaves the husband's attention. Now it goes to the children. So the wife doesn't give much attention to, to the husband as much as it is to the children. And that's understandable. Okay, your wife can listen to the podcast. You know <laughs> <that>. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm, and she will listen to it. And she'll say, why did you say that? <laughs> but, um, but I think that's, that's, that's normal, but because attention has to focus on the children. Um, and yeah, it's a struggle. But I think being, I've been married for 12 years. You tend to get used to that afterwards. But yeah, obviously, yeah, it's, there's a lot of hardships involved um, in fatherhood. You know, you're always paranoid. Um, what kind of children are these going to be? Uh, you know, will they, will they be naughty when they get older? You know, um, you know, how am I fostering these children the best I can um, to make them the best they can be when they get older? But yeah, of course, it's not easy at all. Yeah, you're working with free people. Um, mm. And so, yeah, you don't have that control. And I... We were talking about what what has it taught you, but what has it taught you, not just about you, but about God the Father? Mm. You know, now that you are a father, what has that taught you about how God is? Has that changed your perspective? Yeah, sister, a lot. Um, before I before I had children, I used to see God as this man in the clouds who was just waiting for you to fall until he can punish you, like a very strict father. Um, after having children, that, that actually a whole perspective of God changed. Um, a lot of it changed. Um, and I teach it to a lot of young people that, you know, every time they say to me, um, um, I've seen and I've done this and I've done that. I say, well, but God's, God's father, he's not, he's not waiting for you to fall so he can punish you. Um, you know, when you fall, you go to the father. And it reminds me of the scripture in, um, in the gospel of Luke, father, and you probably, you'd know this probably more than I, when, um, Jesus says, which one of you as a father who asks for a, um, bread will give him a stone or asks for a, a fish that will give him a snake. Um, and he goes and he continues to say, if you, Fathers that are evil, you know how to good give things to your to your children. Imagine God, the Father, who is who is merciful and loving. What good gifts will He give to His children? So yeah, so it and, and I see my children that no matter what my children can do, I will never love them any less. Um, and that I take that attitude with God, the Father. No matter what I do, He's not going to love me any less. He's yeah. always calling me, always knocking on my door to come back to Him. It's beautiful. And I think we, our experience of our own fathers often affects how we view God, the Father. And I think then becoming a father sort of does flip that around a little bit. And it was similar um, as a priest, um, even uh, as, a, as a seminarian, as a young Catholic man, my experience in the confessional and going to confession. But it was when I started hearing confessions as a spiritual father, I was just like, oh, my confessions changed because of the... The, the faithfulness and the trust that people were placing in God through that sacrament. So, yeah, that um, having, having children of our own, and in my case, it's spiritual children, 
I can understand how that changes and affects our view of of God the Father. Mm. You know, I was sitting at a talk once in in America, and uh, Dr. Scott Hahn was speaking, and he's now kind of grandfather ish. Mm. <laughs> it's funny, and he was just he was still so moved to explain what it was like for him to hold his first child. And he's just in the room, you know, he's just taking the baby because he was crying and trying to let mum rest and he takes the baby into the room. It's all quiet and then it just hit him. Oh, my goodness. You know, that how God the Father is holding him. You know, this like cradling, this, you know, absolute love that you have for a child and it, it really is transformative. I had a group of friends over um, a few weeks back for lunch and they were all sort of my age. So most of them now have two, three, four children. So there would have been maybe 20 adults and probably like 40 kids. Like it was, it was crazy. Uh, The thing that struck me was that parents could identify their children's cries Mm. from the other room. Like for me, it was just a screaming child. (laughs) And like I'd be halfway through a conversation with someone and you'd hear this child cry and I'd sort of say, oh, do you? And they're like, oh, no, that's not mine. Like, but <laughs> Don't worry about that, it. That, that knowledge of, of a parent for their, yeah. their child. And I was just like, yeah, and this is how God knows us. Mm. Like as his child, he recognizes our cry as our cry. Like he can identify what it is and, and even parents sort of know what the child needs by the type of cry. And I'm like, yeah, this is how God the Father knows us also. Yeah, and the things that bother us that we think, oh, this imperfection or this thing I don't like about, well, he made you and he they're sort of endearing to him and this things that we get beat ourselves up about because we're not the same as this other person. He doesn't want you the same as the mm. other person. He wants you as you are, yeah, so... You know, Father, something that stuck up to um, stuck to me that you said a couple of months ago, I think, at your um, we had a barbecue at your house, and you invited all the students to come along, and you um, you were so excited, and you had these light blows, and the fires was growing. And I go, Father, why do you invest so much money, um, in this? And he goes, Mate, he goes, don't you spoil your children? I go, Yeah, I go, I love spoiling my children. He goes, He goes, you are all my children, um, and he goes, I love it when you guys are happy. That um, that that's why I am a spiritual father, and that that spoke to me a lot. You as a spiritual father have a lot of children. Yeah, too many sometimes. <laughs> no, he's broke. No, as, no. <laughs> exactly, as many as the Lord wants me to have. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, if we're going to go down that line, my spiritual children drive me crazy sometimes. <laughs> um. What do you do as a, as a husband and father to look after yourself? Because it's not always easy. Like, how mm. do you how do you maintain a balance? Yeah. Um. Once in a while, I. I force my family in law to look after the children. <laughs> so, so, um, so I can take my wife out for dinner sometimes. Yeah. Because, yeah, that, that time is important. Um, yeah, as busy as love can be and can be really crazy with the, with the children, um, you do need that time to, to have with your wife. Um, yeah, and sometimes when the, when the boys call and say, let's go out, um, I prefer to have that time for my wife and children um, to sacrifice. And, yeah, I think there's a bit of a balance there. Um, it tends to be a very busy life when you have children. So you need to find that moment where you need to put the kids to, yeah, take them to your family-in-law and take the wife out and, yeah, have a bit of time because it's important to kind of share that intimacy also and to talk about talk about the important things and all those things that need to happen for a family to function. 
So what about for the the young men and the young women who are listening, who are preparing for marriage or looking forward to marriage? Have you got any tips of what they could be doing now? They're a uni student, they're a young professional, uh, they might be dating um, dating someone. Um, what what kinds of things could they be doing now that would help prepare them? Obviously, as priests, we have seven years of a seminary mm. and someone, lots of people, have given lots of thought as to what kind of preparation we need, but there's no... There's no real seminary for for marriage. So, any any advice? Yeah, Father, I think one one good advice that I would give was um to strengthen your relationship with God first. Um, because you can't possibly be a good father if you don't know the good God, the Father. Um, so building your relationship with God first, um, and learning to sacrifice for others. If you know how to sacrifice for others, you'll be able to sacrifice for your wife also. Um, yeah, that's the most important thing is to. Put the other first before you put yourself um, in the line. Being selfless, um, that plays a mass- massive part that it's always about the other person. Um, if you can focus more on the other person and you've kind of done good at it, I think you're ready, you're ready for marriage. That if you build up your faith, um, your trust, um, and your strength to, with God, that you're, you may be able to say to yourself, actually, I'm, I'm pretty ready now to kind of sacrifice for my spiritual, future spouse and have children. I think for for all young people that spirit of service that spirit of charity needs to be there and i think especially here uh, in melbourne we've been locked down for a few years so those opportunities haven't been there but really as a young catholic your your life your prayer life your your personal formation your your life as a student or a professional is really important but finding a way each day even if it's a small way but something even bigger each week to actually go out and serve so whether that's Serving the, the serving the church or serving those less fortunate, serving your parish community, um, contributing to society in some sort of altruistic way, but being a man or woman who is given over to others uh, as a young person, especially when you have more time, mm. like you, mm. as busy as you might feel right now as a twenty-one-year-old university student or a young professional. The reality is, if you're not married, you you don't know what busy you don't know what no, busy is. So, no, no but use this time and actually find a, a really good cause or a good a good opportunity to sort of commit to and serve. Because not only is it good in and of itself, but it's good training for mm. a life of giving yourself over for others. Yeah, yeah, and even just like a like a virtue, we can do these specific things, but. Is there a stable disposition in me? You know, I go to get a coffee and I first think, is the person next to me want a coffee? Uh, I go to walk through the tram door and I first think, does this other person need to come? Those sorts of things that are just stable dispositions of service, say stable dispositions of the other person is more important. Um, Just good little check. Mm. So so how does that look for you as as a daughter? The daughter, oh, I thought, okay, <laughs> I wanted to get here. <laughs> yeah, no, truly, I think, um, and in lots of people I've spoken to over many years, the presence of a father who loves you is so important and unfortunately not so common. Um, and so I know I have to be very, very careful myself because I've been very blessed. My father is amazing. Um, and every every Father's Day, which is coming up, uh, every Father's Day I write in the same thing. You have shown me the love of, of God the Father, and, and that has given me an incredible um, strength 
um, I'm just, I'm aware of that, that, that I have, um, I never had to have those questions of self-worth because I had this, um, consistent affirmation that you are good, not in words, but in life. I, I've always felt the unconditional love of my father. Um, and, and that just sets you up for life. So especially for a girl, I think, I mean, for everybody, fathers are important for everybody, but, um, as a young woman, like to know, um, yeah, you are loved and you are worthy of love and, and your standards and everything are set. So it's really important. Mm. And one piece of advice, again, I give to couples who are preparing for marriage is being aware of your own family and your own background and going, okay, well, maybe I didn't have that. Maybe I wasn't that lucky. Um, or maybe maybe there was other circumstances in, in my family that sort of I need to address. And reaching out, and again, this is where our parish communities and the church is so rich because there's so many people that we can we can walk alongside. So especially if you are preparing for marriage and you, you maybe for whatever reason didn't have a, a strong role model either as a father or a mother, finding some other married families and sort of saying, hey, can I join you for dinner? Or hey, can I ask you some questions? Like, And that yeah, that is the beauty of, of the church is that there will always be someone out there if you ask the question who's willing willing to do it. And having that person who's... Um, a bit further on the road yes, that you're definitely. that you're wanting to journey on, and saying, "Hey, okay, um, I'm thinking about this as my vocation, mm-hmm. or I'm dating this girl, or I'm dating this guy, and I'm 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 thinking about getting engaged." Okay, you're ten years into marriage, you've got three children. What can you teach me? Yeah, because there's lots lots to learn. Yeah, and there's just a lot of different experiences of different family lives. Like there's no perfect families mm. a- anywhere. There are no perfect families. Um, and sometimes we think we're the only one with a weird family. Yeah. <laughs> like I, all of our families are a bit messed up. I think I, I learned I that as a priest. Yeah. And I think like Mahia, your, your, your story um, sort of points that out, that even from the outside sort of families can look yeah. like picture perfect, but there's a lot of suffering and a lot mm. of hardship and mm. every family has something and, and every person in the family experiences the same reality completely differently yeah. i mean it's amazing so anyway I we can work together yeah i think this is the key for for like there's no such thing yet like as a perfect family or perfect father um but it's identifying the father with the children identifying like, the identity where like when they suffer he suffers when they triumph he triumphs like it's it's about them like and feels in the compassion towards towards their children mm. i think plays a massive part in in the fatherhood mm. Just being present. I, I think the other thing is um, be ready to change. Mm. I say this all the time, like life is about change and change is not a bad thing. And so as you were saying, your life changed when you got married and then it changed again when you, you got children. Like if you want to grow and if you want to follow God's will, if you want to allow the Holy Spirit to prompt you, then allow things to change mm. in your life. And it's only when we dig our heels in and we get stuck and you you try to be that sort of 25 year old bachelor Mm. um even though you've now got a wife and children or um you try to keep things exactly the same but if you are really going to be open to the prompting of the spirit be be ready to be changed and we can practice that as as young people as as single people as well like am i open to the holy spirit guiding my life am i open to change or am i Am I stuck in in a set pattern of behaviour? Am I stuck in 
a set way of thinking, um, which is really not going to be helpful when you're you're living with somebody who thinks very differently to the the way that you do. We're almost out of time, but Mahia, um, any final thoughts that you would you would have? for a, a young person who's preparing for the, the journey of marriage? Yeah, I think just one big one is um, uh, fix your eyes on the Lord. If you can build your relationship with God, um, and then that's when you can start building a relationship with, with others. This is the You Disciple podcast. For more information on what's happening on a campus near you, go to udisciple.melbournecatholic.org. Thanks, Mihia. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Sister. Thank you. Thanks for being such a great uh, role model, especially to students on campuses, about the, the beautiful vocation of marriage. Uh, and for sharing sharing with us today. Welcome. They're amazing, so I, I love them too. So <laughs> you've got as many children as I do now. So um, there's plenty of things happening, so make sure you check out the website. But in particular, obviously, just uh, we're really on that topic of discernment and being willing to go where the Holy Spirit's guarding you. We're really encouraging you to start thinking about World Youth Day Portugal, some great pilgrimages going from, from the Archdiocese and uh, real opportunities for an experience of, of that love of the Father and the, the grace of um, being involved in uh, a movement of the church that, as you've heard me say before, was established by a saint. Uh, World Youth Day is not just another program. It's something that St. John Paul II gave to the church as a real gift so gather with the holy father there and gather go. with the holy father so we haven't had it for a couple of years so if you're here in the archdiocese of melbourne we need 500 <laughs> we've, we've booked the beds we're taking 500 the archbishop set the challenge so really um start praying and uh, opening your heart to whether the lord's encouraging you to join that pilgrimage but otherwise uh, make sure you connect with uh, the team on campus or at other activities and events throughout the next week Mm-hmm. But otherwise, happy, happy studying, happy, 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 happy life. Happy life. <laughs> <laughs> God bless. Whether you've been listening to us on the tram, in the library, or on your way to class, thanks for listening to this week's You Disciple podcast. Share, like, and subscribe, and we hope to see you on and around campus. The You Disciple Podcast is a production of the Catholic Archdiocese of Melbourne.